Improving remote business communication is the key to better Zoom calls and video conferencing. It can make remote work more fulfilling and remote employees more engaged and productive. But how do you do it when all you have in front of you is a flat screen? Well, stay tuned and we'll find out. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah hassel Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, the weekly podcast for smart executives, managers, and entrepreneurs looking to improve business performance and their bottom line. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and I've got a great guest for you today. She's Dr. Diane Leonard, who is a professor of management communication at the NYU Stern School of Business, as well as a communication coach for executives and their teams, for educators and other professionals. She's the co-author of an amazing book called Humanizing the Remote Experience Through Leadership and Coaching, Strategies for Better Virtual Connection. And she also has a special gift that I'll tell you about at the end of this interview. Now, since we live in an age where emails, online chats, and video conferencing with coworkers can leave you pretty disconnected, I thought it would be great to have her on the show to give us some advice about what we can do about improving remote business communication. So welcome to Business Confidential Now, Diane. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. It's a real privilege and an honor because I am totally intrigued by your book, Humanizing the Remote Experience Through Leadership and Coaching. But before talking about humanizing the remote experience, I'm curious about what factors, in your opinion, dehumanizes the experience. Well, being on a two-dimensional screen is very different than being in person. So as human beings who are social creatures, we are wired to be with other people. And when we're not, many things happen to our brain. It's harder to pay attention sometimes. The stress level increases because of that. There can also be issues with misunderstanding because we're not getting the same communication cues that we get when we're in person. When people are in a little digital box, it's very different than when we're in the same room at the same time. And also there can be a sense of not belonging to the group and almost getting lost in a crowd. So some of these basic human needs are not being met. And that's what makes it very difficult. Well, it sounds like we haven't. But the good news is there are things you can do about it. But the reality is our basic human needs are not being met. Well, it sounds like there's a number of fronts on which they're not being met. I'd like to tackle some of those individually. The Great. communication cues. Tell me more about that in the two-dimensional world of online whatever that we can do something about for improving remote business communication? Sure. Well, one of the things that the brain does is it predicts people's behavior and intentions by reading signals, both the verbal and the nonverbal. And many of the nonverbal signals are missing when we're remote. So we don't have movement. We don't have touch. Direct eye contact is challenging, and you don't have any movement in space. So 
There can be no sideways glances at one another or touching an arm to say, I get what you're saying. So many things are not available to us, the nonverbal cues. So what happens is the brain has to do extra work to make sense of what it's seeing. So if a face is frozen or if there's a time lag in the sound, the brain wonders, is this a technical issue? Are they not paying attention? Am I being boring? Actually, when we interviewed people for our book, many people talked about, I said something funny and I got no response. It took a while to get response. So that long pause, that long silence actually creates anxiety for people because they don't know if what they said was well received. So what can we do to combat that? I mean, you're looking at a screen and yeah, technology freezes sometimes. I think there's even a commercial on TV that uses that to make some point for some product or another. But the thing is, in business, you've got to be able to communicate well on so many fronts. So what can we do to combat and compensate for these nonverbal cues that are not happening across the screen? Well, one of the things we can do is appreciate that we need to focus more on our verbal communication because many nonverbal cues are not there. So sometimes we have to be more explicit when we're talking. We also have to put more priority on the person asking somebody to speak rather than allowing people to disappear and not have a voice. So verbal communication becomes even more important when some of these critical nonverbal cues are missing. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, Another factor that you mentioned that dehumanizes is the sense that people don't have a sense of belonging when it comes to that. So how can we improve remote business communication to improve a sense of belonging besides calling somebody out saying, Diane, what do you think about what we just talked about? Right. One of the things is to communicate, to connect, involves sharing your feelings, your goals, your motivation perhaps your availability, and asking other people about theirs. So actually using words carefully to gather information so that people are clear on what's going on. And also to communicate very clear expectations and timelines and then confirm shared understanding. So I realize that all of these things are important all the time, but they become critically important when we're remote because we're missing some of those cues. Another thing we can do about missing the cues is rest because what happens is our brain is working so hard to understand others that we get exhausted and we get stressed. And if the stress is ongoing, it can lead to burnout due to chronic stress. So understanding that we need to have shorter meetings, perhaps, if possible, to also talk to people about their feelings and what's going on with them, these things will humanize the remote experience and will help make up for what's missing and also give people a sense of belonging. They need to feel safe 
So the three basic human needs that need to be met are people need to feel safe and comfortable. They need to understand others. And they also need to feel that they belong. And sharing is a very key part of this, as is empathy, showing empathy for people and understanding where they are. So, so many of these meetings have multiple parties. When it comes to the sharing and how do you feel, people may not want to do that in a group setting. So how much should a supervisor, team leader, manager, business owner do one-on-one? Yes, that's such an interesting and important point. I remember when COVID first started, I thought I cannot go to another check-in meeting. I just don't want to check in for an hour, just sharing where I am. But if you're a team and you need to collaborate and you need to work together, you do need to establish some of that together as a team. Then you can move on. But if there are multiple parties, then I think being explicit about goals and objectives and expectations is a critically important thing to talk about. Understood. Now, I would imagine there are some people that are listening saying, but I am being clear about the goals and the motives and the availability and that things need to be done. How would they know if they're not being explicit enough? Well, one way is to ask, to ask that people, what are you understanding from this? Do we have agreement on this point? So taking it piece by piece and confirming shared understanding is really helpful. And not overloading people. The brain can only handle so much information. So managing it and being clear on what the focus is so that everybody is clear. Also, getting each person to talk is extremely important for building safety, psychological safety, and trust. So you want to get as many voices into the conversation as possible and create a non-judgmental environment so that it's not dominated by one or two people, because then people in their little digital boxes will feel like, well, I don't even need to be here. So making sure that everyone's voice is heard, if possible, clearly not if there are 100 people but not dominated by one or two people. That does happen sometimes where the same people just seem to be talking to each other and everybody's like, why am I here? Can't you just put this in a memo or an email to me? You're wasting my time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I work with teams, one of the things you can do if that tends to happen is create a process where each person has to say something. So let's hear what your thoughts are. And each person speaks very briefly so that every voice is in the room. Because research has shown that for psychological safety, there are two things that need to happen. One is equal, what is called as equal conversation turn-taking, so that everybody gets to speak. And the other thing is social sensitivity, being aware of what's going on with the other people. Now, that can be difficult when you're remote, But realizing how important that is to make people feel safe and belonging and that you're paying attention to them becomes extremely important when you're distant. 
physically distant. Yeah, I understand that. That makes a lot of sense. But that's also going to require a lot of awareness from the person who's doing the meeting management to keep things on track so that even when somebody's talking and they go off on a tangent that's really not relevant to the item or the agenda, that they can kind of bring them back in a meaningful way and keep things moving instead of going off track. You're absolutely right. Facilitating discussions is a a very important skill for leaders and managers because creating this environment of safety is so important. If people don't feel safe, they're not going to be able to be alert. And that's the first thing you need for people to really pay attention and focus on the task at hand. So that becomes a real issue when people are working remotely, is creating that sense of safety so that people can remain alert. Would you say that safety is the most important thing when it comes to improving remote business communications? Well, I would say that without safety, people are going to experience a lot of stress, physical stress, and are going to have a harder time focusing. And if they have a harder time focusing, then understanding one another and communicating to connect becomes more difficult. So primary is safety. And this is an age-old need, human need, because we need to feel safe and we we're wired to feel safe around other people. When we're remote, in a way, our brain knows that we're not really physically around other people. So creating that sense of safety is key. Then we need to do things so that the brain can focus on understanding. And then the last thing is feel that they're part of a group. So those are the three most essential needs that leaders and managers and focus on to create a human-centered approach to being remote. I appreciate you identifying them like that so succinctly. I'm curious about when it comes to improving remote business communication, whether there is a difference or an increased challenge, whether the person you're trying to communicate with is an introvert or an extrovert. Yes. So because we don't get facial expressions, and some people are not expressive. When I teach classes remotely, and they do this little head nod, I ask them, could you please do a full frame head nod up and down so I can really see that you agree with me. So you have to do whatever it takes to really get people engaged and focused when they're communicating online. It's different. Yeah, it definitely is. So coming up with some kind of signaling, as you've described with your class, would make a lot of sense. Yeah. And we don't have the five senses. So our brain is working harder and we're getting less information. That's why the verbal cues and the focusing, prioritizing on people and making them feel safe and cared for really, really matters. And there are ways to do that, asking questions, giving feedback, sharing personal stories, expressing recognition for people. Those are meaningful things that you can do when you're online. Absolutely. Now, you alluded before about how the dehumanizing fact and the cause stress and the stress can lead to burnout. 
Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Burnout is a fascinating workplace phenomenon because it has three very clear symptoms. The first symptom is extreme exhaustion. And I don't mean just physically exhausted. I mean mentally, emotionally, and physically drained. So there are things you can do about that. Then the second symptom is detachment. When you feel as if you don't care, it's a defense mechanism basically for being overloaded. And it's a way to protect oneself. But what it does is it leads to disengagement and disconnection. And we are social creatures who need to feel connected. So the first symptom is exhaustion. The second one is detachment. And the third is an interesting phenomenon called feelings of inefficacy. When you feel like I'm not really good at what I do, I'm not making a difference, no matter what I do, it's not enough. So these are very upsetting feelings. But a lot of people say they're burned out when they're just tired. But burnout really has, you have to have these three symptoms for total burnout. Then it becomes a question of what can you do to prevent getting that exhausted? What can you do to prevent getting detached? And what can you do to prevent feeling like you're not effective? So there are science-based strategies for all of these. That's the perfect lead-in. Absolutely. Yes. Tell me. Tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So when it comes to getting exhausted and chronic stress, there are really simple things you can do physically, like focus on your breathing or make sure that every day you do something physical. You eat healthy. You get enough sleep. So there are physical things you can do to make sure you're maintaining your energy. Also, studies have shown that the brain needs downtime. So every approximately 90 minutes of focused, high-energy brain time, we need to have some downtime, like 10 to 15 minutes of unfocused downtime. And it could be going for just taking up a brief walk or just listening to music or closing your eyes for a few minutes. But the brain needs to alternate activity with rest because then it recovers and it prevents exhaustion. So there's another wonderful activity called end of workday ritual. So at the end of every workday, which can be 24 hours when you work at home or you work remotely, work is always there and people are always available. So at the end of a day, pick a time, pick a set of actions and repeat those actions and make it a routine. It can be as simple as closing all the tabs on your computer, making a to-do list and putting on your running clothes or something like that. But doing the same set of actions to shut down the day because then the brain is cued in, oh, good, now I get to rest. And so uh, that simple end of day, end of workday ritual is a very helpful thing to do. It helps you from disengaging and it begins the re-energizing process. 
Another thing you can do to avoid feeling detached is small acts of kindness to other people. Research has shown that by doing things for other people, it makes the giver feel good. So it's not just good for the receiver, it's good for the giver. And then you feel connected to people. It could be as simple as complimenting the person who's cleaning the floors or something like that, and it makes them feel good, it makes you feel good. And so that can prevent feelings of detachment. And then for feelings of inefficacy, pick a hobby, learn a skill, learn a language, do something that makes you feel like you're growing and learning, obviously during non-work hours, but also using your hands, doing manual labor, that also makes you feel like you're accomplishing things. So again, burnout can happen, but there are things we can do to prevent them. Thank you. Is that helpful? Yes, I think that's helpful. I think there's just so many tidbits here and action steps that you've provided that I think will help people because we're just so overwhelmed. COVID has changed the lives of so many people. And even though COVID seems to be semi under control, yes, new variants will pop up probably for the rest of our lives. Remote work is here to stay. It's not going away. And so people feel overwhelmed with all of these Zoom calls and are they really productive? And then There's just a lot going on, not just as far as their work responsibilities, but family responsibilities. So many women have left the workforce, for example, because it's just too much. And so having these strategies, I think, is wonderful. So Dr. Diane Leonard, thank you so much for giving us some suggestions about improving remote business communication. And this is great advice you've provided us, not just today, but also in your book. Humanizing the Remote Experience Through Leadership and Coaching, we can all benefit from these tips. And if you're listening and are feeling a little crispy around the edges, burned out by too many Zoom calls, you're going to love the free gift that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. It's an article called, Is Remote Work Fueling Your Burnout? Check the Signs and Symptoms. The link to that article, as well as more information about Dr. Diane Leonard and her book, Humanizing the Remote Experience, through leadership and coaching, as well as her contact information and a transcript of this interview can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to tell your friends about the show and leave a positive review. We don't want you burned out. We want you to be able to enjoy your remote communications and improve them. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Business Confidential Now. So until then, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.